The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, we appreciate you joining us for our latest podcast, and we have the honor of having the most accomplished player in franchise history, and that, of course, is Evan Longoria. Evan, first of all, how are you, and how's your family? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. My family is good. We're, um, you know, uh, getting ready to, to hopefully get out of the house at some point, <laughs> um, but uh, the kids have done really well, and um, I'm proud of them for that, and my wife and I have held this together, and we're still sane, so um, that's good, too. What's the biggest challenge in all this? Uh, my girls are 12 and 13. I know Ellen Nash are what, like six and seven. What are the kind of questions that you've gotten from them through all this and what's been the hardest part? Um, I think the hardest part is trying to um, explain to a seven and five-year-old why we can't go outside, uh, <laughs> you know, why, uh, why we can't do the things that we were doing, you know, the week before, the month before. And, um, you know, they understand that there's uh, a virus going on, um, but, you know, that uh, is very obscure for, for them at their age. And so, uh, you know, again, they, they really rolled with the punches and, and done a great job. And um, they haven't asked too many questions, which has been really helpful for us. <laughs> a lot of the, the players have told me the silver lining in all this has been the extra family time. Do you see it the same way? And if not, what is the silver lining? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, um, I don't know that there's, you know, really uh, uh, any other silver lining. I mean, ba- obviously, baseball-wise, we're not able to play. Um, you know, the economy's in the tank. There's a lot of things that have been, um, you know, negative about it. But um, I think, you know, for, for all of us, one of the, the most challenging things is, is being away from our families um, during the baseball season and not being able to watch our kids grow and, and kind of missing big moments. And so, um, the last uh, two months has been, you know, been really nice. I've seen on Instagram that Nash has kind of become your cooking partner, right? Yeah, he, he really has taken to it. He, he, it's something that he enjoys doing. So, you know, we're always um, just trying to find things that, uh, that, that they love to do. And so hopefully it's, you know, he's passionate about it. And, and if nothing else, you know, maybe he'll be a good home cook, uh, you know, when he's older. And in the meantime, I'm curious, too, you mentioned that the four of you are okay, but you've got, obviously, a lot of family in California. Um, I know that Jamie originally was in Florida, so how are your families doing and your friends? Is everyone okay? They are, yeah. Um, Thankfully, uh, nobody's had, uh, I mean, you know, I think I I talked to my dad and, and, um, and my mom and, you know, both of them say, you know, when my dad was, I guess, kind of sick in January and, you know, thought, you know, thinking back, like, you don't think uh, at the time, you know, when this isn't going on, you know, you're like, oh, I just got sick, you know, and he hasn't been tested. So, um, but, you know, thankfully he made it through it and there was no, uh, you know, no serious uh, issues moving forward. So um, maybe he had it, maybe he didn't, but thankfully he's all right now. And um, yeah, nobody else has been uh, seriously impacted. And I'm guessing the hardest part for the grandparents is not getting to see the grandkids through all this other than let's say Zoom, FaceTime, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, we, you know, probably at this time of year, normally, um, you know, Jamie would either be, you know, the kids are out of school now, so she would either be traveling between Florida and, and California, or, um, you know, we'd at least have people coming to visit us. So it's been, um, it's been challenging in that way. and. Um, you know, when you keep people locked in a house for, for long periods of time, when we've, we're not used to that and not doing, not used to being in that situation, it's, it's, it can get testy at times and it can get, uh, you know, difficult. So, 
Um, like I said, we're, we're looking forward to all, uh, you know, hopefully pretty soon being able to get out of the house and, um, and, and do some things. How's your homeschool uh, skills and who's done most of the, the teaching? <laughs> uh, not good. I, I'm not, um, you know, we, we've kind of tried to split the responsibility as, as much as possible. Um, you know, but again, I, I'm not, um, uh, I'll be the first to admit that I'm not the most patient when it comes to, uh, you know, trying to be uh, a, a teacher. And so, uh, you know, that's when I say those things on, on Twitter and Instagram about, uh, about teachers and, and being uh, very thankful for them. It's, it's, it's from the bottom of the heart because I, I really had a new, you know, respect and, and level of admiration for the people that have the patience to deal with, you know, five and seven year olds for, for six hours a day. I think we all are, no question, Whether, whatever age our kids are at right now. How's your duckies family? Because I know you still have roots in this area, you still have a home in this area, and yeah. those people are close to you as well. Yeah, they've um, you know been surviving. We've, uh, we've got, uh, obviously my best friend, uh, Gio, is still uh, running the place, and we've got uh, really two, one, and two, one or two other people that have been really loyal to us um, and been with us for, for a long period of time. And uh, so they've, they've been on and, and obviously, uh, we're doing as much as we can to, uh, to keep paying them. And, um, duckies has, has survived. Thankfully, um, you know, we, uh, we did okay during, during the takeout period. Um, you know, they're open now, uh, on a limited, um, you know, a limited basis. I, I think they, I think they're at 25% capacity or something like that. So, um, you know, it's, it's the industry as a whole, and I've been listening to a lot about it and, and how, uh, you know, how deeply impacted the, the hospitality industry has been. And so, um, you know, not only feeling for, for those people that uh, we had to let go, um, but people in the industry as a whole. And I think, um, you know, when we look back in, in five or 10 years, I mean, I think that would, that will be one of the things that is still greatly impacted. I mean, there's restaurants, um, you know, we, we talk about it a lot because my wife and I love to go out to eat. Um, and there's probably going to be, you know, dozens and dozens of restaurants that we love to go to that never open again, you know, and, and it's just because either they didn't have enough money to, to, you know, retain, um, the, the business while they didn't have people coming in or they, um, it's just not economically feasible for them to be open at us at a limited capacity. And so um, it's tough. Um, but thankfully, we're, we're still afloat. And, um, you know, obviously, very thankful for the people in Tampa that continue to support us. And, um, you know, as long as we can keep the doors open, we will. Well, that's great to hear. From a baseball standpoint, how because this ended so abruptly, how have you stayed in shape? What have you done? I know you're, you're still in Arizona, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have a cage at my house, so I try to, uh, you know, force myself to go out there as much as I can. I mean, it's, it's tough. You know, I, I think uh, as I've gotten uh, further along in my career, I get a lot of energy from being around the group. You know, like it, it's, it gets tougher and tougher to motivate yourself as, as you get older. And so for me, a lot of my energy comes from being around the guys and being in the clubhouse and having kind of that positive vibe. And so, um, you know, I've done about as much self motivating uh, as I ever have this off season, uh, you know, just trying to get going. And we've, uh, my wife and I have been going to um, like some work, like private workout classes um, that, you know, thankfully being in Arizona, we've been very fortunate to have a lot of things um, either 
open on a limited basis or, you know, accessible in certain ways that, you know, if we were in other places, it may not, may not be open. So um, I, I've stayed in pretty good shape, um, you know, and, and we're talking about uh, getting closer to opening some facilities here uh, as a group. So hopefully that, uh, you know, at least in a, on a, in a small group basis, um, you know, begins to happen. As a position player, if they said whatever date it is, how long would you need from that, do you think, to be baseball ready? Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I obviously think that if we – I would love to have as close to, you know, full-length spring training. I know it's not going to be the same setup. We've had a lot of um, – We've had a lot of conversations. I, I, I haven't really, I've just heard, I've talked to, you know, our player reps and other player reps and guys that have been in meetings, um, you know, while this whole negotiation is going on. And um, it's, it's the spring training or the second spring training that, you know, happens this year is definitely not going to look like uh, what a normal spring training would look like. You know, it's going to start with, with small groups, you know, individuals and, and maybe, you know, four or five guys coming in at staggered times. And um, as this, the second spring progresses, you know, we'll get more and more people in um, and then hopefully together as a full group at the end and playing some, some simulated games or some, you know, real games against other competition. But, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be, it's going to be different for everybody. I think it, there's going to be a lot of discomfort, uh, you know, at the start of the season. Um, and there's going to be, you know, maybe some, uh, guys that don't look as in shape or, you know, feel as in shape as in years past, but that's just going to be something that we're all dealing with collectively as a group. And, and, and it's going to be adjustment for everyone. I wanted to also kind of look back because obviously we've been doing this kind of series with a lot of the, the great players in, in franchise history. And I met you for the first time when you were coming through on the way to the big leagues. When did you start to really feel comfortable in that 08 season? Because it was remarkable how well you performed in that first year. And who made you, who helped you feel most comfortable? I mean, I always give credit to Eric Hinsky and, and uh, Cliff Floyd. Um, and I think they, they did a good, they did a good job in like never letting me really be comfortable, but knowing, um, kind of the things that I needed to feel like I was like I belonged, you know, so they, they, they taught me a lot about how to carry myself in the clubhouse and how to be a good teammate and the things I needed to do to be a good teammate. Um, and to be a good like clubhouse presence, not only, um, to kind of, you know, stay out of guys way, but not ask for certain things, you know, not be a guy that's like, you know, entitled and needy and like, you know, having the clubhouse guys and, uh, you know, a lot of the clubhouse kids that were in there at the time were about the same age as me, you know, so mm -hmm. to treat them, you know, like equals and not, um, you know, talk down to them. And so there was a lot that, uh, that I learned from them. And, and like I said, that really helped me, um, you know, stay on my toes, but also feel really um, like I was a part of them, you know, like I was a part of the group. And I mean, playing well helps. Obviously, if you play well, um, it, it makes you uh, feel part of the team much, much quicker. You know, if you're if you're really scuffling and uh, um, you just feel like everybody's kind of looking at you going, well, what is this guy here for? Um, then it, it, it's very hard to fit in. But um, I had some success early on and uh, it, it made me feel right at home. And, and you know, Joe Madden has a lot to do with that, too. You know, Joe really. Um, 
never put any pressure and we were a younger team. We had some younger guys on the team and, and he never put any pressure on us. Um, you know, never kind of had us in the office and was like, you know, Hey, we, we you know, you got to perform or you're going to be sent down. And I've heard a lot of stories from uh, younger players uh, who have managers who are like that and put a lot of pressure on them. And that's, it's very hard when you're at that age and expected to do, um, you know, expected to carry a team. When, uh, when you were that that first month, you mentioned some of the moments. When did you think it was really going to be a good team? Because your two first two minor league seasons, you went to the postseason. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was so worried about and and you know this may looking back is maybe not the best thing to say, but I I mean I think you know and when I talk about um, when I talk to younger players about uh, or if I'm you know talking to a group now as a veteran you know in the big leagues and we have younger players, it's like, there's, there has to be a certain part of you that is selfish. And um, I think, you know, if you it's selfish in the way that you, you care about the work that you get done and your routine and your timing and um, you know, when certain things are accessible to you. And like, um, I feel like that builds a better team. You know, when guys are focused on themselves and focused on the role that they know, you know, they're in, I think if they're successful in that, then collectively you have, you, you become a good team. And, and of course, all of those other things have to happen. You have to be a good teammate. You have to, you know, be compassionate to your teammates. You have to care about what people think about you. Um, but I was so wrapped up in, in myself and, you know, uh, focusing on how I could get better and how I could, you know, um, just do all of those things well, that I didn't really think about the team. Um, or my number, I mean, or like where I was in, in, in terms of the numbers versus, you know, other players, I, I was just wanting to contribute on an, on a nightly basis. Um, and then I think at probably really when all of us looked up was like at the all-star break when we were like, wow, we, we, you know, this organization has been, you know, last place organization for, for some years now. And, and this is the first year where we're really contenders. And, um, we had a lot of, uh, strong personalities on that team but um guys who cared you know there wasn't a lot of selfishness um and and you know to go back to eric kinski and cliff floyd they were kind of the glue that held that team together and you know the dan wheelers and the um you know trevor millers and guys like that who were uh veteran guys that kind of held the bullpen together too um so we had a lot of, of presence um trevor was on that team right ten yeah our, our eight. Um, I'm thinking of the other, uh, our other submarine right-hander, Chad uh, Bradford. Chad Bradford, yeah. Um, but again, personalities like that who were, uh, I think, some of that gets lost in today's game, where we had a lot of guys who had a, a specific role, and again, that's the, something that the Rays have done really well, even now, is being able to identify guys who can be do very specific things really well. Um, and piecing that together and, and all of those little, little pieces made, made our team really good. And, um, you know, in the end, it, it, you hear championship caliber teams always say, you know, there was no one guy that was bigger than the collective group. And, and I think we really believe that towards the end of the season. You mentioned the all-star break, but a lot of guys told me a, a lot of cool backstories about the fight against Boston and Coco Chris. Yeah. What do you yeah. remember about that and how galvanizing was that, if at all, for you? Um, yeah, I mean, again, I think when you, when you fought, when you have an altercation or there's a, a, a you know, a, a moment where, 
um, you kind of pit yourself against uh, somebody who's in your division, a perennial, you know, they didn't look at us as a rival at that time, but, you know, as uh, a team who had been in the cellar quite a bit, um, you know, anytime you went into Boston or New York or, or they came, especially coming into our place at the time, you know, in, in eight and nine, um, it was, uh, it was tough even in 10, you know, after 10, it started to change a little bit, but, um, eight and nine, you know, whenever the Red Sox and Yankees came into to the trap, it was a Yankees or a Red Sox home game. You know, it, it was, it was tough. There was a lot of Yankees and Red Sox fans that came to those games and, and half the time you felt like, um, it was a 50, 50 crowd, you know, and there was a lot of cheering for, um, obviously the Derek Cheaters and the, you know, David Ortiz's and, and guys, um, fans came to see and so we had a lot of angst and a lot of um you know pent up uh emotion and aggression against those teams and so when we had those moments and that especially that that fight um it, it definitely brought us together um i i i'm not as emo i'm not as emotional a player as as some guys are so i didn't really need that to draw energy you know i didn't really need a fight to to make me feel like, okay, here we go. You know, I, I was able to kind of do that, um, on my own and have the battle, uh, in, in my own head, but I can see where, you know, a moment like that would really bring a team together. There were so many moments that year. You got to squeeze the ball for the final out in the first time this franchise clinched a playoff spot, which was pretty apropos yeah. in hindsight. What do you remember about that? Um, I remember it was, uh, Joe Maurer, I think was hitting, um, you know, foul ball down, down the third baseline. Um, and I, you know, before the game and before, like leading up to it, it was, um, I never, I didn't really think about it. I, I, I thought, you know, that it was going to be a special moment because obviously, you know, we had never been in that position before. And, and that group as a whole had, had, you know, taken us to that point. And, um, I mean, I probably was thinking about this, how the celebration was going to go more. So, you know, like I was excited to, uh, and because I had had, you know, a couple celebrations in the minor leagues and I was like, man, well, I wonder what a big league celebration's like, you know, what's, what's it going to be like to get into the, the locker room. And obviously I had seen that on TV and in, in years prior, like watching big league games, watching the world series guys celebrating in the clubhouse and spraying champagne and stuff. So, um, but it, it definitely, um, lived up to the hype and you know I, I still remember um I don't remember I don't remember if it was that particular celebration I mean we celebrated everything that year like any game that we won in the play you know getting into the playoffs postseason like it was all a celebration which was amazing but I don't remember if it was that one that particular celebration or the game I think it was the game seven at home against Boston that year, but, you know, being out on the field and running around like to celebrating with the fans and all the fans still being there and, you know, spraying champagne on the fans and stuff like those, you know, those memories never leave you. And I, I just remember, you know, mostly like how fun it was to be with the fans and with the group um, and, and celebrating at home. You're, you had uh, the first playoff game the Rays ever played in. You were perfect at the plate that day and hit two homers. Do you remember anything from how it felt to be that locked in on, on day one and get things started? Mm, I mean, I, I've, I've watched um, some highlights of that game. Uh, but, I, I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a feeling that, you, that I can, you know, still to this day try and find. Um, and 
it's, I think it's because I think I was because I didn't have any expectations for myself. You know, I, I didn't, um, I didn't really feel like I was putting any kind of pressure on myself or, um, there was a, there was a, you know, a, a need for me to be the guy. I just felt like we were a good team, you know, and, and, um, and I always try to go back to that. Like, how do I get back to that? And, you know, when, when you get further along your career, like I have certain expectations and I'm like, you know, I can't fail and I got to do this and, you know, I have to be perfect. But at the time I, I didn't, I never thought that, you know, I never, um, I never had that, those sorts of emotions going into the game. And so um, I think that's why it was just like, I felt like we were going to win the game. You know, I, I just wanted to, um, you know, uh, obviously put our, put us in a position to do that. And I didn't, it was, I mean, it was fun. I mean, two, it was both of them were against Javier Vasquez. Um, and uh, I, and the thing that I think that was most memorable um, for me was uh, that was a team that it was the White Sox, right? Mm-hmm. And that was a team that had Ken Griffey Jr. on the team. And um I just remember, I mean, Junior was my child, you know, one of my childhood idols. I, I watched a lot of King Griffey Jr. growing up. And so just being on the same field as him was like, I think I was probably thinking like, don't look like an idiot in front of King Griffey Jr., you know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, that was probably more my thought than, you know, we gotta, I got to go out and hit, hit a home run and win this game. We mentioned Boston. You homered in games two, three, four, five in that ALCS. <laughs> Did you always feel comfortable against them? And, and if so, why did you feel comfortable either at their place or just against them overall? You know, I, I think I've said this over the years. Um, I was pretty good in the division. I was always pretty good in the division. And I, I, I just felt um, I just felt comfortable against um, the pitching that they had. I mean, I just I, I'd seen them so many times. I had had, you know, plenty of at bats. And um, so for me, playing in uh, in a divisional game, it, it just felt like a game in, in April, you know, it didn't, it didn't feel like a playoff game. Um, and every time you go into Boston, it felt like playoff game anyway. So there wasn't really much different. Um, but I, I just, um, I, I just felt like I was, um, I was always pretty comfortable, uh, going into those games and, um, you know, success or not, I think a lot of it has to do with, with, uh, you know, feeling confident going into the game and, um, I never really played well. I, at least I felt like it in the AL Central. I, for whatever reason, I just didn't, um, you know, I, I never really felt comfortable against any of the pitching in the Central. But, you know, once we got into the East, I, I just felt like I was, you know, more back home. And you mentioned, um, you know, your comfort level. Game seven, you had the, the uh, game tying hit. What do you remember about game seven? What, what sticks out to you beyond Aki stepping on second and the celebration going on? Um. I don't, I mean, I remember I, it was hard for us to, as a group to not say, why are we playing a game seven? You know, obviously we, we believe we shouldn't have never, we should have never got to that point. I mean, we should have won um, game five, uh, but it was, you know, a, a, a group effort to put that behind us and to, um, you know, not think about the momentum that Boston had coming into that game. And, um, I remember when I got the hit, I mean, Lester was pitching pretty well. Um, but I felt, I always felt like if we got ahead, we could win the game. Um, and you know, so when that, that kind of happened, I just, uh, there was a, a sense of calm that kind of came over me at that point. And, um, it, it, 
I mean, the celebration again was, was so fun. So, um, and the thought of like, wow, we're going to the world series, you know, like it just, um, I, I, I think that you could experience that, um, you know, a thousand times and it, it would never get old, you know, just. You mentioned the tightness with Hinsky and Floyd and the impact they had on you, but Rocco had the go ahead hit on that game. Did you have any idea to it all that he had been through? And then you look back as to what he's accomplished since and how big a moment that was for him. Yeah. I mean, Rocco is such a special guy. I'm glad I got to play with him um, and, and, you know, still get to see him um, obviously, you know, managing. And um, I, you know, if you, I would have bet the world that Rocco is going to be a, you know, a big league manager one day and, and uh, you know, a special one at that. So um Rocco will always be one of those guys who I think we look back guys that were around him in, in the era that he played in and, and say like, what could have been like, he could have been a, I mean, he was a special player, you know, and then to be, um, you know, affected kind of the way that he was with, I guess what is Lyme's disease now, you know, I, I don't know what um, I think he called Lyme disease, but um, again, something that's was so obscure that like, you just wish it never happened and you wish you could have seen his career blossom into what probably would have been a really special career. Um, but his attitude is, has been unchanged. You know, he's always positive. He's always this guy who's like super good natured and, um, very cerebral, like very smart guy. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was almost full circle for him, you know, to, to be able to kind of come back and, and, um, be in a moment where uh, you felt like he should have been for, for a lot of years, right? Like getting big hits for the Rays and, and being, you know, kind of the focal point and the center point of, um, of the organization. And, um, you know, if he would have stayed healthy, I mean, my career and his career might've been pretty close. You know, he, he was, he could have done some, some really special things. And um, so I, I would have loved, loved to see that, um, and again, you know, always, I'm always rooting for Rocco. I love Rocco. Easy guy to root for, that's for sure. We touch on eight, which was the pinnacle, and obviously you were part of all the playoff teams until uh, last year that this group had. Eleven, everyone talks about the two homers, the one that made it 7-6, the game winner over the short wall and left. There's a play in between there, the Greg Golson play. It was first and third and nobody out. People forget about that, and you made a tag play on him on a ground ball that kind of calmed the whole inning down. Yeah. Do you I remember much? actually that play. I, I, I don't, but I do remember thinking he almost got back to the base. He was really, he was really fast. And I remember thinking like, I was panicking at that point, you know, during the game. Um, because obviously we were on pins and needles. I mean, you know, this is, a, this is the, the last game of the year. If we, you know, you, you lose, you go home. And so um, it was, definitely a moment where I was able to take kind of a deep breath and, uh, and, and let it, uh, calm back down for a second. Um, but you know, it, we still had some ways to go and, uh, it, it was, uh, it was, it was definitely one of the bigger moments in the game, but one that, that kind of gets overlooked. When did you know that, uh, Boston had lost when you were in the index circle or when you were at the plate? Um, basically I was walking to the plate. Um, it was like one or two pitches uh, from when they flashed the score to when I was, when I was walking up there, it was perfect timing because it didn't give me any time to think, you know, like it was like, there wasn't enough time for me to say, well, here we go. You know, like I, if I would have sat there for another 30 seconds and stared at the scoreboard, I think um, 
there would have been a lot more emotion going through my my mind you know i obviously i i had some going but um there i was a little more calm um i was a little more calm in the moment because it hadn't set in yet you know i, I didn't have much time to think about it we touched on some great moments what's a moment or two that i haven't touched on that are really meaningful to you in your decade with the race oh man um I think every, you know, some of the biggest moments for me were um, the moments when we lost, when I lost some of my teammates, you know, like when, when Price, uh, when Price left, um, just not seeing, you know, certain guys that, uh, that I played with, you know, the Reed Brignacs and the, um, and the Fernando Perez's and guys like that, who I, I'd come up through the minor leagues with, um, you know, not not be back and and then just you know every year kind of slowly losing you know guys like bj and cc um it, it, james shields you know matt garza um just those were some of the tougher moments um as as a ray um and then some of the some of the bigger moments i mean yeah i i would have to pick you know i would have to pick through my my brain um there's always one moment that stands out for me when um there was a play and I won't mention any names, but we were in the playoff race. We were in Kansas city. I think we actually clinched the next day in Kansas city to go to the playoffs um, where uh, there was a play at home played. And uh, there was a, there was a, it was a, a set runner at second um, base hit guy, whoever it was, was hitting um, got thrown out a second and the run didn't score. Um, because he didn't run hard all the way home. And, and I remember it was one of the only times that Joe had actually yelled like in the clubhouse after the game. And so that was a moment for me where, you know, it was, it's as a professional player, you don't really get yelled at. Um, and so, uh, you know, another moment where it was a kind of a career moment where I was like, Oh, you know, running hard does matter. And, um, and, you know, it could have been the difference between us, you know, getting to the playoffs or not, you know, and then those things, um, our big moments. And, um, and, you know, I, I look back on the moments that we had with Joe uh, in the clubhouse and, you know, him just providing entertainment and, um, you know, some of the things that you, you just don't really see now. And, and I kind of maybe took those for granted um, at the time, but, you know, I, I, I look back and there was one time where I, um, I came into the clubhouse and I never told Joe about this cause um, I just, I just didn't, but um I was, I think we had probably, we had probably, because Joe would always do this when we had lost like three or four in a row. You know, he would never do it when we were going good. He'd always do it, you know, to try and turn the vibe around. And um, we probably had lost three or four in a row. And I came in at home uh, to the trop and we had a full, um, a full like salsa band set up, like the keyboard and a drummer. And it was right in front of my locker. And I remember thinking to myself, what are we doing? We've lost four in a row. I'm pissed. I show up at the field and, you know, then I got like, then I have a mariachi, you know, a salsa or mariachi band or whatever it is in front of my locker. And, um, I look back and I mean, it was a great, you know, like he, he was really good at, at turning the vibe around, but at the time it just didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't good, you know, or, or, you know, you come in and there'd be animals in the clubhouse and snakes and, um, he took some of that over to Chicago and he ended up winning another champion, you know, winning a winning world series. But, um, those are special moments for me. And I know a lot of guys would, 
if you asked them to look back, they'd probably say uh, that it, it was a good thing for the clubhouse. But at the time, we were, you know, a lot of the time we were like, what are we doing in here? One other question for you. No one has worn three uh, since you were moved on to San Francisco. Someday I would think that that number is going to be brought up and put up in the rafters. Um, what would that mean to you? And have you given that any thought since departing? Well, I think about it every day because I, I want to wear the number again and I can't wear it in San Francisco. So, and I'm pissed because I, I don't, I, I'm not a number 10. You know, I, I really, I look at my jersey almost every day when I come into the clubhouse and I'm like, God, I just wish I could wear number three. Um, it just doesn't, it just feels foreign on my back. Even after, even after a third, you know, going to be my third year of putting it on. Um, and I, and I didn't really have a reason for wearing three when I got to, to Tampa. I didn't, um, I was wearing six and I wanted to wear six and Foley was wearing six and, um, he said he would give it to me if I bought him a set of golf clubs and I I said, screw you. Uh, so I said, well, you know, what other numbers uh, are there? And so I just, I took three, but you know, when I put three on at the time, three felt like it was my number. And so, um, you know, again, I, I, it would be very special. The organization um, will always hold um, a very special place in my heart. Um, if you ask me, do I want to see somebody else wear three? No, I don't. Um, would I be, that upset probably for a couple of weeks, you know, probably, you know, maybe for some time, but you know, again, it, it's, it's ultimately, it's not my decision. It's just a Jersey number. Um, I'd get over it. Um, but you know, I, I looked at, um, you know, I looked at Zim's number and a couple of other numbers that have been, um, out on that wall. I think, um, there's maybe two, uh, there was a, two other ones out there, 42 and, and, uh, was it Wade Boggs mm -hmm. or somebody else? Yeah. Um, so of course, a special group, um, you know, 66 will always be, you know, my favorite. Um, and so it would be, it would be a special moment. Um, and like I said, we still have a house there. We still have, um, you know, a lot of ties to the community there. And I, I don't think that would ever change. So, um, one day if it happens, uh, great, but it wouldn't stop me from, you know, coming back to the ballpark and, uh, um, you know, be making, uh, St. Pete a part, a part of our lives. Well, in the meantime, I hope there's many other special moments for you. Uh, enjoy the extra family time. Hopefully it's not long before you're playing baseball again. And uh, we certainly appreciate the time on our podcast. All right. Thanks for having me, Neil. That's Evan Longoria. We hope you stay safe and we will chat with you soon.